Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I couldn't be more excited for today's episode with the one and only New York Times number one bestseller, Gabby Bernstein. Gabby has had a profound journey of moving from addiction to now writing her eighth book, Super Attractor, and really becoming uh, a beacon of light for those seeking to move from trauma to sort of their own triumphant truth, if you will. And sitting down with her, I I met her initially um, at an event I hosted with uh, Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle, um, where she was the MC. And, you know, just turns out that day was a really profound day for her because she had remembered uh, some of the traumas from her youth. And so in the conversation, we actually go into talking about how one moves from uh, trauma and ego addiction to facing their darkest wounds and sort of the great remembering of who we truly are. And in the episode, Gabby breaks down various methods that uh, can be helpful in anyone's journey to rediscovering and remembering themselves and their profound abilities to manifest and attract that which they truly want into their lives. She has gone from a, a really dark place to now being the happiest she's been in her life. And the conversation was really wonderful for me. It actually, I, she called out uh, during the course of the episode uh, a blockage that I have had. And uh, I actually found it to be really, really powerful and, and, and insightful. And I think you'll find tremendous value in today's conversation. Um, she just released her newest book, A Super Attractor, which also hit the New York Times bestseller list, and uh, I found it to be a great read, and in the conversation, we distill some of the principles that you can utilize in your own life to become a super attractor. With that, I want to give a shout out to today's sponsors. The first is Juve. Juve is a red light therapy device that I use in my daily meditation practice. Red light therapy uh, is profound in its benefits. Uh, it has benefits uh, that are myriad, and you can learn about them on their website, uh, joobb.com. They have a bunch of the research that's been done. Um, one of the benefits is, is for your skin and collagen production. Uh, the other is hormonal. Um, for men, it actually helps to stimulate testosterone. Uh, for women, progesterone. And I've incorporated it in, into my life because I've always been very, very sensitive to light. I actually used to have sad seasonal affective disorder um, and know that light is profoundly powerful. And so I've incorporated uh, their devices into my daily practice. And I think you'd find tremendous value in checking them out. You can also learn more on my episode with Scott Nelson, the founder, who, who articulates many of the benefits of red light therapy in my mind key. Uh, with him. So go back and listen to the mind key with Scott Nelson. And uh, if you're interested, please go ahead and check out their site. It has a myriad of research on the benefits of red lights. Uh, it's joovv.com. Again, joovv.com. And if you put in peak mind, you get a nice discount at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Lifecycle. Lifecycle is an amazing company that works with the mushroom kingdom. Um, I've spoken a great deal about the virtue of mushrooms, and it's now part of my daily practice. 
uh, I use their biohacker pack, which has five different mushrooms. Lion's mane, which is great for your uh, mental cognition. Cordyceps, uh, which uh, has profound virtue and value. Rishi, turkey tail, shiitake. I actually go into the value of each of these uh, mushrooms in my Mind Key episode with the founder, Julian Mitchell. Um, I think mushrooms are having a bit of a, a resurgence in terms of uh, the interest. You know, they're profound, profound healers, both in terms of the planet and their ability to bioremediate even the most toxic of soils, as well as for our own individual health in helping us to remove uh, some of the toxins in our own system, as well as regulate our system so that we can uh, basically operate uh, with a peak mind and at peak performance. So I use their, um, their tinctures on a daily basis. Um, I love uh, especially the lion's mane. Uh, the reishi helps me get into a meditative state. Lion's mane I use for cognition when I do my meditation or I do work. Um, they have beautiful tinctures that I highly recommend. They also have a, a, a whole five mushroom burger with all natural ingredients. Um, that I think is is going to be a, a boom on the market. Um, go ahead and check out their website. It's Life Cycle L I F E C Y K E L LifeCycle.com. And if you put in Peak Mind twenty, you get twenty percent off your order. So a nice fat discount. Again, that's LifeCycle.com and Peak Mind twenty at checkout. With that, it is my great pleasure to introduce. New York Times number one best-selling author, Gabby Bernstein. All right, I'm here with Gabby Bernstein. Gabby, it's an honor to be with you. So good to be with you. Thank you for, I had a little Skype issues with you. We got here now, though. We're good. We made <laughs> it happen. I, I had Skype issues with my um, my abilities on the on the computer. I'm turning 40, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not a millennial. I don't know how to use the computer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> Skype, to be fair, feels a little bit old school. So, uh, but yes, I, but it, I bet no millennial knows how to use Skype. That's <laughs> no, definitely not. They're TikToking. They're TikToking as we TikTok speak. TikToking it. Yeah, that's right. Um, but um, but it's good to see. Last I saw you, I think was um, at the at the Deepak Eckhart uh, and Gabby Bernstein events. Um, I think that was what 2016. 2016. Um, yes, I think that's right. Yes, that so, is right. It was 2016. That was a really pinnacle point in my life. Wow, that was a big week for me. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, and I, I was actually partnered on the event, and I remember meeting you with Marie actually backstage, and just, um, just, just feeling like, okay, simpatico. This, this is an, this is an amazing human. Um, and obviously, I've followed your trajectory since then, and have been super inspired by. You know, really this notion, to be honest, of I, I've also moved from New York City. I know you were like a high-powered publicist. And, you know, for those who may not know your background, um, we're sort of, uh, you know, very much in the scene, taking care of business, um, doing w what people do in New York City, which is which is work hard and play hard, and then had a bit of a shift. And since that shift have been pretty prolific in, in the books that you've, that you've put out to really support people through their spiritual practices and, and manifestation. For the audience, can you just give us a little bit of background about your sort of come from and, and where this journey started? Yeah, uh, 15 years ago, I hit a big bottom. So I was, um, when I was 21 to 25, I ran a PR business. I owned a PR business in New York City. 
that was uh, all about promoting nightclubs and restaurants. So you could just do the math and figure out what my life looked like. It was a big partier. Um, but more, what worse off, I was a really big uh, egomaniac. I really thought that my worthiness was in my ability to to be seen, to earn, to have, you know, president on my business card. And so I was, I was a real ego, ego driven. And that led me to a dark drug addiction. At 25, I made a commitment to myself to get sober. And it was my faith in God and my faith in spirituality that was always with me, even when I was using, but obviously far from reach, even though I believed but it was that faith that got me clean. It was the faith that got me to my recovery programs. It's the faith that got me to surrender fully and receive guidance. For the last 15 years, I've been on a devoted path of recovery, not just from addiction, but from trauma, from depression, anxiety, uh, most recently postpartum depression and anxiety. Uh, and so on my own journey of personal growth, spiritual development, resurrection, frankly, I have had a lot to write about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why I've written seven books in the last eight years, and I'm working on my eighth book right now as we speak. And um, it's, been, it's been a very big journey with a lot of fun along the way. Beautiful. So for, I'm actually, so I, I, as I was going through the book and thinking about, frankly, the prolific, you know, I'm sure there's deep inner narrative to the ability to produce at that level in terms of now working on your eighth book. But for me, working on a book at the moment, there's, it's like a huge mirror of, you know, resistance, flow, you know, wanting to achieve, but then also trusting and surrendering and obviously for me, at least, when I surrender and I'm more of a vessel, I've, I've been more prolific in my ability to to okay. sort of let things flow out. But one of the things that I just really was curious to ask you about, and I, I think a lot of people have as a curiosity, is how did you, you, you made this shift from what I would seem deem to be striving in your New York City, you know, public, you know, being this PR, you know, sort of CEO boss to... The, the shift that you took, and I'm sure, you know, and you, obviously you've detailed this through several of your books, but what what has really empowered you to be productive, but productive from a place of surrender rather than striving? I've only really fully embraced that in the last four years. Mm. Um, in 2016, the week, the day that you met me was the day that I had cracked open to my memories of trauma. Mm. That was the day of that Deepak event. I remember waking up and I had a dream and I was like, no, I am not going to feel that. Put my, put my heels on and go. And it was a week later in therapy that I accepted it. But that day, that's why I said that was such a big day. It wasn't a big day because I was speaking with Deepak and Eckhart. That was nothing compared to what I was really dealing with. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I wasn't speaking. I was their host that day. That was all about them. Let's be real. Um, but the, uh, the more important message was when I realized that I had been traumatized as a child, I understood why I was a drug addict. I understood why I was a workaholic. I understood why I lived with a belief system that if I don't do it, nobody else will. And I began to truly recover from that hustle mentality that day that I met you when that beginning of that healing path 
because it's only when we heal the root cause condition that we can truly heal the addiction. The addiction to whatever it may be, the addiction to success, the addiction to money, the addiction to love, the addiction to alcohol, drugs, whatever it is that we're using to anesthetize our deep-rooted pain can only be truly healed when we really, really have the bravery to face the places that scare us and the root cause of the condition altogether. So the past four or five years since we met, I have been on a very devoted path of, of recovery. I have become more and more free every single day, mm. and I'm living the practices of my book, Super Attractor, and I've never been happier in my life, and uh, it's been a rough, rough ride, but my devotion and commitment to feeling good has led me to great freedom. Beautiful. I, I love your courage in sharing uh, a bit about that childhood trauma, and I, I, I think many people can relate. Um, the, the practices that you detail obviously sort of help, if you will, I, I love that you use this word of sort of being a flashlight in the darkness. Um, and to me, I feel like many of us have had experiences, I can speak personally as well, of deep trauma when, you know, in youth and childhood. And, um, and sometimes it feels overwhelmingly dark. And I like that you sort of say that you have to actually, I feel like, a, a, open your eyes in the darkness for lack of a better, uh, analogy and then, and to start to sort of shine and attune to your light. So what, 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 what were some of the practices that you found? Cause some people are still in the, like mired in that darkness, right? Like that. I, would say mo- I would say most people are mired in that darkness yeah. and that's, that's not with any judgment. That's with a lot of love and compassion because one there I'm, I'm striving to find the resources to give people to help them with true recovery, not just dabbling recovery, right? I will absolutely write a book on trauma healing, but I I think that in many cases it requires someone facilitating and support or even a support group, whatever you can find. But, you know, I really think most people are still deeply suffering uh, with such fear of even going there. Like a lot of people just drink because they don't want to go there. They work because they don't want to go there. They have sex because they don't want to go there. And it's a constant numbing, 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 and, a, you know, pushing down, pushing down, pushing down. I can't, I, you know, not wanting to touch it. Um, and I get that. I really get that. Like that morning that I woke up with that dream, I was like, no, nope, no, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, my, my commitment in this lifetime is to heal so I can help others do the same. Mm. And um, so, I don't even remember what your question was, but I was no. It, it was ostensibly like, basically, like what were some of the ways, like in that in that darkness ways, when you're ways, first yeah. starting, what were some of the techniques? Which actually you you extrapolated out in Super Attractor, but but for me, more on like the personal tip of like, you know, obviously like affirmations to me like that can be amazing, but if you're in the deep darkness of trauma, right? Like it's darkness. hard. It's hard to get, and and you kind of talk about that. You talk a little bit about almost like moving from emotional state, you know, like sort of up yes. the scale. Yes. And I think that Super Attractor and all the work in Super Attractor would be a great book for someone who wants to be free and who wants to recover, but it's a first step. Like somebody yeah. would read this book and they would say, okay, I'm changing my perspective. And when I change my perspective and I start to lean into better feeling thoughts and energy, my life will change. But what I have to do, and I, re- I reiterate this over and over in the book, 
what I have to do most is pay attention to the guidance I receive. Because once we start to make that shift and connect to the guidance that's around us, the spirit guide and angel, the energy of the universe, what this book is about is getting into that alignment. Once you're in that alignment, that's when you can hear the direction, go to that therapist, go do that EMDR, do that, do that yoga class that's going to change your life that will never, you know, that you would never have been able to crack open before. You'll begin to be guided. And so my first steps to my trauma recovery was really before I even remembered because of my spiritual devotion and my faith. My spiritual devotion and faith led me one day at a time, every single step of the way to the journey of facing my darkest wounds. And so nothing happened in the wrong order, time, or fashion. So I got sober as the first step, right? Then, you know, the next step was cracking, breaking down with the work addiction and literally falling apart to crack open to the trauma. Every step of the way, and then the four years of of, of facing the trauma. But, you know, I didn't remember the trauma until I was psychically ready and prepared to, Mm. safe enough to. So it took all that spiritual practice prior to that point to be safe enough to. So the point I'm making is if you do a book like Super Attractor, it is a first step to healing your trauma or your wounds or your addictions because what it will do is it will put you into a foundation of strengthening your spiritual faith. And with that faith, you then can start to listen to your intuition, listen to the guidance that's available to you and be guided and led to the next right action, whatever it may be, the next right action to create a movement, the next right action to to heal your body, the next right action to uncover a wound. Mm. Beautiful. So uh, ostensibly, you're talking about, be, it's, at least in for me, it's this notion of being in the listening almost and, and removing, and you talk about this in the book, removing the blockages that, that are preventing you from, from receiving that intuition, that divine guidance. Yeah. So this whole book is really about releasing the resistance to love, to inspiration, to spirit. And when we make that our devotion and our commitment, that resistance begins to dwindle and weaken. And the more we release that resistance, the more we can hear. Mm. Beautiful. So what, what for those who, uh, who have yet to read the book, and I encourage everyone to go out there and get it, but what are some of the core practices that are critical to beginning to become a, uh, a super attractor? Well, first is to recognize that you already are a super attractor, mm. that we're all super attractors. We just forgot. Mm. So our work, this is a book on remembering. Yeah. This is a book on leaning towards that energy, leaning towards the, the belief system and the thoughts and the energy of a super attractor so that you can remember that's who you are. So you don't have to go out and find anything. You have to just release the blocks. Of course, a miracle says that this isn't that this is not a book on how to um, teach you the meaning of love. It's the book. It's it's a text on how to release the blocks to the presence of love within you. And I would say that's very very strong through line throughout all of my books. Mm. The, obviously, Course in Miracles it seems like has been a pro- profound anchor uh, in your in your practice. Um, what, what, how, you say removing the blocks to love, what are, you know, I I noticed you talk about like when you get into, at least in my interpretation, you know, when you get into sort of your shit or you start getting quagmired in, in, in the negative thoughts, you know, what do you find to be the, the greatest ways to sort of reset, to shift out of that like negative thinking or that quagmire of darkness, negativity to get back into that place of light? Because as I understand yeah. it, you're, you, that's the place you need to be in to, 
to attract more of that which we seek. That's right. Well, I have a practice in the book called the choose again method. Mm. And the first step is to become the witness and notice regularly when you're out of alignment, when you're in that fear story that you typically have on loop. And notice how it's making you feel. Notice the thought. See it repeat again. So just, you know, oh, there you are, thought. Step one, right? Step two is to forgive yourself for having the thought and forgive the thought altogether. Mm. So when we notice that thought, we want to identify with it. We want to say, oh, that's who I am. But if you forgive yourself for having that thought and you forgive the thought, you take away its power, you see it as something separate. And the third step is to choose again. And so choosing again means reaching for the next best feeling thought, reminding yourself that you have resources, reminding yourself that you could listen to this podcast right now, reminding yourself that you could uh, find a free blog that could guide you or just go out for a walk or decide to feel better in that moment by just saying I, a prayer, saying a prayer is enough. So that's, uh, that's the choose again method. And I think it's a very valuable method to start to get you into the pattern of feeling different. Mm. True. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that notion, which, which it's, uh, initially occurred to me as simple, but I remember when I was doing global citizen festival and my dad was diagnosed with dementia, I was with a dear friend of mine who had just, just given birth and I was holding his newborn son. And he asked me a very simple, but what for me, a life-changing conversation, which is, how do you want to feel every day? Yeah. And for me, having come from this huge striving mentality, you know, 14-hour days and, and working for something I believe with my whole heart in, but, but also at, at the great sacrifice of myself, yeah. um, that question was an awakening and, and actually yep. led me on a whole different path. But I love that notion to me, which I think our society is, is, has been at least traditionally uh, against moving beyond the intellect and like the, the, the notion, the sort of the monkey mind into more of that, for lack of a better term, divine intelligence that comes in the form of feeling, not like at effect feelings that are sort of like the waves or the wind, but more like that deep knowing feeling, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, if any, anyone truly what they want to feel is connection to, to love, connection mm -hmm. to God, they wouldn't necessarily all be able to put that into words. Yeah. But when you're, when you're picking up that drink, you're looking for God. When you're, when you're you know, striving for that career move, you're looking for God. Mm -hmm. And that might sound alarming or overwhelming to somebody, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think um, it was interesting. So I was just uh, speaking with Kyle Cease, and he talks about that notion of – he he didn't use the distinction of God, but but the notion of being fully present, like in the presence, and, and, and almost like a no mind, a state of no mind. Which the same we're, thing. We're yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you find to be for those who are who are new to this world of manifestation? And I'm frankly still coming from New York, uh, still working on through my own judgments of like, okay, my analytical mind's like, oh, okay, is that is that woo woo? Is that like I don't know. But yet, I see it. I see it work in my own life when I when I remove those those filters. What have you found to be the core to when you move into that state of flow? Like, uh, there's 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 various practices that you that you sort of articulate. But what have you found to be the most the most profound practices in that return to love? The most profound practices. The most profound practice is leaning into the presence of a higher power of your own understanding, as they would say in the 12 steps, a higher power of your own understanding. Because without that, we feel that it's our will 
and our way that's creating. Mm. But we forget that there's an infinite power and wisdom that's within us and around us. And so when we're creating and we're living from a place of control and force, we're constantly feeling beaten down, frankly, Mm. and overwhelmed, unwell, disconnected. So I think the, 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 the most clear path to alignment is through a prayer practice. Uh, and a prayer to someone could also just be an intention that they set. Um, it could be an affirmation, affirming how they want to feel. Mm. Prayer is just sending out a message beyond yourself, whether you realize it in a higher power or not, but just saying, whoever's out there, whatever's out there to support me, mm. I need some help. I need some help. I can't do this alone. Yeah. I think that's one of the big epidemics of our time is this feeling of this, this, this illusion of, lo- of loneliness, which is perpetuated so much culturally and feeling, I don't know, at least for me, um, oftentimes a lack of community, but, but also a lack of that deep, more deeply rooted at times um, alignment to something bigger. Um, so, so, so surrendering to me to a notion of something higher than myself feels quite liberating. Uh, and let's ground let's ground this even more. You know, it can sound pretty woo-woo to people, and that's not my intention. But we're always looking. When I say we're looking for God in all the wrong places, you know, it's like you can. How many celebrity interviews have you read where people are like, "I finally got all those successes, the money, the cash, the prizes, and I'm miserable, mm. right? Um, or I'm still sick physically, or whatever." It's because we can't, nothing out there will be able to give us what it is that we really, really are longing for. Yeah. Can you have all those things? Yeah, but what are they worth if you don't feel good, right? So it's like we often think that like when I get that thing, I'll be happy. It's like when I'm happy, all those things will come to me. Yes. It's the, it's the false notion that if I, only if I have, then I'll be something. But actually, it's the being that's mm-hmm. primary because it's from our being that, that everything sort of flows. That's yet right. We ha- yeah, we're, yeah, we're, construct- we're, we're always told by society, which obviously thrives on, on that consumptive uh, worldview, that, that it's this that will be that missing piece that you need to feel mm-hmm. a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, okay, beautiful. So, so in the context of, of keeping it really real, it's, 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 there's one, a surrendering to something higher than yourself, but what that looks like is really getting good with be, who you are and your, and your beingness, if you will, and recognizing that it's from that beingness that this whole, this whole construct that we call reality is, is sort of blossoming forth. Um, what, what, what do you see? I mean, to keep it real, real, like, so you, you've just been on this, you know, book tour. I can, you know, I can only imagine that that comes with lots of worldly pressures of people coming into the sphere. And, you know, I can't speak for you, but I imagine that you have goals for the book in terms of how many people, uh, how many people receive that message. How do you balance and I, and I read the New York Times article of you, which I actually respected, your personal practices amidst the sort of madness of interviews and, you know, speak, you know, you know uh, book signings, etc. But how do you balance that, that desire, if you will, whatever someone's goal is, say, say their goal, and you've already achieved this, is I want to be a New York Times, you know, best-selling author. Um, yet at the same time, I don't want to lose myself in the striving for that particular goal, whatever that goal may be. I'm just using that as an example. How do you balance the, and it, it strikes me that a lot of it to you, 
is about returning to a spirit of giving. Like you, you mentioned this story, which I was one of the ones that resonated with me the most of Stephanie, this woman in the book who had a workshop she wanted to give and she rocked up and no one had come. Well, one person had come, but they hadn't even come for her workshop. And, uh, and then she wound up giving that workshop to the one person in that showed up. Uh, and in that giving shifted into that purpose. And you talk about this notion of, content versus frame, which I thought was a really helpful, um, context. Can you break that down for, for those? Yeah. Are listening? I don't, you know, I don't want to sound like, well, I'm hearing myself back a little bit. Do you hear that? I don't on my end now. Okay, good. I think it's better now. I don't want to sound like a saint because I've had many, I've had six books prior to the seventh book that uh, there probably was a lot of striving and goal oriented things. But this time around, there wasn't. Mm. This time around, my primary intention was to help people feel good. I wrote this book because I wanted to feel good. And I knew that if I felt good by writing it, the reader would feel good because they would get that transmission. That was my only goal, my only intention. As a result of making that my focus and intent and attention, the amount of like work and effort and and showing up and everything that it was requiring me to bring this book to life into the world didn't feel like a struggle. It felt like a joy. Mm. I, you know, have been on the road for weeks with my newborn, with my 10 month old son and all the things that go along with that. And, uh, you know, back to back from 7am to 11pm. It was a privilege, frankly, to do all that. It was a privilege to be able to be, uh, able to do it with ease, grace, gratitude, and appreciation. As a result, the book's been far more successful than any of my other books. I mean, this book is blowing <laughs> up. So, and that's, I'm like, well, my publishers were calling me week after week being like on Wednesdays, like the book's on the list, the book's on the list. I was always on my therapy set call when I would get those calls and I'd say, cause it'd be Wednesday afternoons when yeah. you get the list. And I'd be like, Oh, the book's on the list. And then the next week I'd say the book's on the list. And I'd be on the phone with her and she said, do you want to go call your publishers or call? And I was like, no, let's get back to my, you know, rage towards this. You know, I wasn't, um, you know, I was like, that was actually such a good metaphor. It's like, I'm on my therapy call. That was so much more important to me than a list. Mm. And I know that's why the book is, I know that's one of the big contributors to why this book has had success, but the biggest contributor is write a good book. Yes. Write a meaningful, authentic book that makes you feel good and it will help others. Yes. Yeah. So that going back to that notion of like, like in a way focusing out, like for me, like when I am in my shit or whatnot, it's like, okay, if I focus on other people and get out, then I get out of that narrative that's holding me back. Yeah. Mike, like, like don't, when you're writing your book, any moment that you start to feel that it's about you in the sense of like, I need to strive, I need to get this, stop writing go get a coffee, go get a, you know, go get a, go get a tea, go, go, go have some fun, meditate to take a yoga class, get the fuck away from your computer <laughs> and then return when you're in what I refer to as spiritual alignment. And there's um, a method in the book called the spiritually aligned action method. Mm. And this is all about how I believe my greatest successes have been able to come into form, not because of my striving and my hard work. And let me tell you, I, I think hard work is absolutely necessary, yeah. but you can't work from a place of misalignment because it won't be supported. So taking action from a place of spiritually aligned action is what I speak about. And that means that your actions are backed with love and your desire is backed with love and service, right? Yes. So in this book, I just, all I wanted was people to feel good and I wanted to feel good writing it. 
your uh, so the second step is to really tap into your faith and your belief system and just trust that it's this or something better. Trust that everything that's happening is exactly as it's meant to be. Mm. That that obstacles are detours in the right direction. That we are meant to be going through what we're going through in that moment, even if it's terribly difficult. And then the next step would be take action from a place of spiritual alignment. When you have inspiration, joy, service, and faith combined behind your desire, the next right action will be taken from spiritual alignment. Mm. And then once you've taken that action, written that book, submitted the proposal, whatever it is, you have to be patient. That's the final step. Be patient because it's we can do all the right things to get into spiritual alignment, take action from a place of spiritual alignment. And then if we're not patient, we'll fuck it up. Sorry, I'm cursing a lot, but we will, we will get in the way. Our, our, our resistance and our energy and our neediness will get in the way. So when you feel that neediness, cause you will, you're human, yeah. get up, have a coffee, have a matcha, do whatever you do, get the hell away from that computer <laughs> and don't come back until you're aligned. Yes. So align, okay, beautiful uh, sort of segue. So in that context of alignment, right, there's all kinds of, so my interpretation is I, was, I just kept thinking about like almost being an antenna and like the notion of frequency because um, I I'll very much resonate with music and like, and music is one of the ways in which I feel like I get back into alignment when I'm like, if I feel like I've like lost tune, so to speak, because of sure, whatever, yeah. whatever forces. And I like actually that you you mentioned being careful with your words because I find one of the ways that I lose my tune is when I'm around people who are gossipy or negative or whatnot. And I just like right, – some, right, sometimes right. you can't help that because that's like – it's like family or whatnot. You know, we're heading into the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. But what are the, some of the ways when you are confronted with, for lack of a better term, low frequency, right? Like you talk about like – protecting your vision, which I thought was beautiful because I've had experiences, for example, um, you know, when I, when I had this vision, which came to me after three days of meditation to host the Dalai Lama event, I, I literally shared it with this guy who I thought was a great friend. And I went to, I went out to, this sounds very LA, but I went out to Burning Man, came back and it, another press release had come out where he had taken the idea and just like shared it out. And I was like, Whoa, like, this is wild. Like it was a very, I don't know if I've ever shared that, but it, it, it really hurt because I was like, oh, hang on, I trust you with this vision. Granted, it was it's not mine. It's just something that came through me. But um, but it was hurtful when that, that was taken. And then it it, it sort of it, it, it reified this belief that I can't trust people, which I don't think yeah, is Yeah, big one. Which I don't think is in alignment with what you're talking about, right? Because ultimately, as I understand it, and I'm still very much learning as, as most of us are, but like, it's like... I, it's harder to surrender when you're not when you don't trust when you have another reason that reifies that story of like oh that person's not trustworthy or if right, I, right 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 so well, what are your talk. what's your experience with that or like how do you get back into alignment when you feel like your trust has been shaken well I'm guessing with a lot of education that the feeling of not trusting people goes way back for you yeah way back so. It will continue to, what I write in my book, The Universe Has Your Back, is there's a whole chapter on spiritual assignments. Mm. I'm going to send you a copy of it. Yeah, beautiful. And the chapter is all about how if we don't show up for what's up, it will keep coming up. Mm. So forgive me for putting this back at you, but you created that reality. For sure. Yes. Okay. So... As long as we haven't faced the root cause of the condition and healed the emotional disturbance, 
No, it doesn't matter how many affirmations or how many hours of meditation, unless on the meditation pillow, you can heal the emotional disturbance, which you can, you know, but it's, it's, it's big work and whatever the work is, right. Then it will keep coming up. So if you say to me, okay, Gabby, well, how do I heal the emotional disturbance? Pray for guidance. Pray for, I don't, I don't know how you specifically are going to heal the emotional disturbance of not believing that people can be supportive of you or not trusting people. But I can, and I can give you guidance, but I can tell you that your desire opened up this conversation right now. Mm. Yes. Desire is maybe going to let me guide you to something I've done that would be suggestive, you know, right? So, um, or to the universe has your back lessons about spiritual assignments. But I think you already get the spiritual assignment part, but now you have to show up for it. Yes. Because it'll keep coming up, babe, if until we show up for it. Yeah, no, I'm committed. I'm definitely committed to the path. And I think what you what you shared resonates. Like I definitely have reason. I have created a story and I, I obviously am the source, which is which is, uh, to, again, to use the music analogy, is sort of like on repeat at times. It's creating a vibration. Yeah. Exactly. That and vibration I'm committed to letting track. that, you know, to creating a new song, for lack of a better term. Your commitment to creating a new song is why we're having this conversation right now. So yeah. be very proud of yourself for that desire. Because if, if, you know, if you weren't committed to it, you'd be like, yeah, this dick did this thing, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And they wouldn't even be like, how do you do that? How do you deal with that, Gabby? That wouldn't. So that, that question that you just asked me in some ways is a prayer, you know, even like the inquiry, like someone that's trying to get clean and they pick up the phone and I call that friend that's sober and they're like, can you just tell me a little bit about that sobriety thing? It's like, that's a prayer guys, you know, that's, that's leading you in the right direction. And then, you know, here's some guidance that I recommend to everybody that's has a root cause that they want to heal. Emotional freedom technique, EFT is major. Mm. Uh, you could also practice EMDR therapy if you have access to it. Um, I'm working on some really good resource blog that I'm writing about trauma and 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 uh, addiction and and uh, mental illness and things that we need to address really with you know no shame and full full transparency. And so I'm going to be writing about that now. Pretty much, I'm working on on it, but it, I have to do a lot of research in terms of getting the right resources for people because I have I feel very responsible because I'm cracking a lot of people open. I feel responsible to give them the tools that they have to go deeper. Yeah. I, so this, this brings something up for me where I, I've, I've tried different modalities. Um, you know, there's this sort of therapeutic context, which I think you're speaking of, as you spoke about like four years ago and covering this trauma and really having the support you talking about on Wednesday of, for lack of a better term, a therapeutic guide, an expert that can help you through your process. Mm -hmm. But I've also done other work. Uh, different modalities like leadership experiences where they're where you know and there's like you know the life spring the landmarks all these different contexts where they're very Beautiful. much antagonistic to, but interestingly enough to this notion of being in your past right because then you're repeating that story right so it's almost like it's almost like you know like in the nutrition world there's like the vegan and the paleo like there's all these different sort of approaches obviously uh, to me it's getting quiet within yourself and knowing what's right for you to a degree but i'd love your yeah. perspective on that I don't care what you need for anybody. I don't care anything about what it is that you need. I'm on a podcast right now. My husband's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a casual podcast. Yo, um, keeping it casual. <laughs> I don't care what you do. This is what Deepak said to me in a meeting five years ago in his office. He said, do whatever it takes to get closer to consciousness. <laughs> And I put that, I put that, you know, I, I quote him often with the accent. <laughs> but, 
that do whatever it takes to get closer to conscious. I don't care if it's landmark. I don't care if it's 12 step. I don't care if it's, I mean, even though I have opinions about drugs, I don't care if you choose ayahuasca, like whatever the hell you need to do, whatever's going to get you there. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. You know, just be led. And I, my work, super attractor, all of my books are designed to crack you open to the awareness of the wisdom and guidance within you and around you. When you crack open to that awareness, that's when you get the hit. I got to go to that landmark meeting or I got to go to that 12 step meeting or I got to pick up the phone and call that therapist or I have to call that friend that's clean. Whatever the intuitive inspired idea is, it only comes when you've cracked open to the awareness of the faith, the guidance and the wisdom that's ready to move through you. Mm. And once you've cracked open, because this is another piece, whether it be ayahuasca or whether it be landmark, whatever, whatever the context is for that cracking open, so to speak, what I often see is people chase the ecstasies of that, the exalted feeling in the room of the hey, music or whatever. They <laughs> get addicted to the sobriety. They get addicted to the, yes. to the, you know, to the group talk. But you know what? It's way better to replace the group and the, and the fellowship and whatever it is than the drug. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you have to, like when I first got clean, that like high of the AA rooms and the high of the friends and the fellowship kept me clean, you know, yes. the hot guys at the meetings, like that kept me clean and I'll be real about it. You yeah. know, I was 25 years old and you're telling me I can't go into a bar again. I better think the guys are hot in the room. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. And I've told countless sponsees, you know, if you need to smoke right now, smoke, like whatever, you know, like, like if whatever it's going to do to keep you going back. Yes. Yeah. Okay? To, to me, okay. So that, that's the important point, right? Because it's like, what does keep you going back for me at least? And, and you also sort of brought this up just now, which is what does that community look like? Right? Like to me, it's like the integration for at least as a, as a deeply social human and grants that I need to go within and take my refuge oftentimes in nature. But like, like when I did, when I was in my dark night of the soul, my dad came, came through and, and took me through this men's work and I did integration where every week for four years, I met with this group of men and did like the deep, deep, deep work. And that was mm -hmm. for me profound. Uh, it was a sea, it enabled a sea change, but, um, but I think that group, that social collective group was, if I were to distill it down, probably even more valuable, uh, definitely more valuable than the, than the ecstasies of the weekend. The weekend was like the entree point. It was like the process of individuation. But the integration, that consistency in that group uh, of accountability was really the 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 uh, the beauty mm -hmm. and i know you've created a huge community with your work it's funny yeah it's funny you say that because you know like a lot of people are like well why did you start doing what you do and i was like because i wanted to have friends that were into what i was into you know? <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that you know for the past 15 years i've created a movement of, of what i refer to as spirit junkies right yeah um people that are have a shared common interest which is to feel good through spiritual practice and uh it has been such a major community. I have people all over the world that have met through my events or my workshops and they've, they've spun off and created businesses or, or lives or, or friendships that are rooted in spiritual foundation. And man, it's amazing. I think one of my greatest, the greatest gift contributions I've given to the world is uh, creation of community. And I think you can say the same for yourself. And, you know, I think that, um, what works most about like the 12 steps or even the work that you did, the men's work is the fellowship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What do you say for people who are feeling deeply lonely? I mean, which is now an epidemic, uh, especially amongst young people. 
uh, as it relates to finding that fellowship or that communion um, in the context of, for lack of a better term, a spiritually aligned way. Like some, some, like you said, you almost created this work to to build the, the this this tribe or this this fellowship around you of people who are aligned in terms of shared values, and it is hard. Like let's keep it super real, right? Like in New York City, when I went out, like everything revolved around either coffee or alcohol. Like that was that's how people get together. You no, know, but it's cool. Not anymore. It yeah. isn't anymore. But for a lot of right. people, like in the Midwest, for example, when I go home. It's yeah, still, it's still, so right. it's still coming. You're right. So like the wellness trend has not taken over. You're not right. yet. Right. It's in like, it's definitely growing. But like, what, what do you find? And luckily, but people have access digitally, obviously to people. Digitally, like yes. Um, digitally can begin the conversation. I think one of the things I've seen that's so powerful is I have a lot of private Facebook groups for my, you know, or any even public Facebook groups that, you know, are for my, for communities, you know, like the universe has your back, super attractor Facebook group has like, you know, thousands of people all over the world connecting and those folks meet offline yeah. too. You know, they say, Hey, who's in Connecticut? Let's meet up. Who's in San Francisco? Let's meet up. Uh, or they'll, there are countless people that have come to my talk saying we've been friends for three years on the Facebook group and we just met for the first time at this event. Yes. But they feel like they know each other. I love that. Yeah, so that. use social media for good. <laughs> yeah. I was in a, a retreat in in, uh, in Italy with, with a friend of mine from Turkey. And she was actually like, she was talking about, uh, friends of mine have this, this site called Glow. And I was like, I, I like online, but I, to be honest, I go to, yoga, you know, I'll do all this here because I live in Los Angeles. She was like, yeah, but in Turkey, we just don't have that, you know? So like that, She uses Yoga Glow? Yeah, so she yeah. uses Glow and she's like, I get access to all those things that I, and it's not like an endorsement, it's just what she shared with me. She's like, I get access to all the people that you guys have access to, right? but in right. a place where it's not, it's not accessible. So I feel yeah. like that that's part of my interest is like, how do these communities form in areas where, you know, and again, use the nutrition mm -hmm. analogy, there's food deserts, you know, where there's, there's a deficit of community oriented around. And it sounds like people are self-generating, which is beautiful, right? Like that's yeah. kind of like permaculture, but like any, any thoughts you have around where people can tap in, um, I think is, 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 is super wonderful and helpful. Yeah. I created something called the miracle membership because I found that it's been around for several years and I found that a lot of people in my community were like, one, I want to get more Gabby, but I couldn't personally coach everybody. So it was like yep. the next best thing to having me as their coach, but more the, that they wanted the community. They wanted to feel the connection. Yeah. And that mir miracle members meet up all over the world. They have meetups, you know? Um, so not only are they getting digital content and support that they may not be able to get if they didn't live in New York or whatever, but they're getting community, you know? Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of opportunities out there now for people to find their communities, their tribes, um, through the internet, but then make sure you're doing your part, which is to take it offline. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what, let me go, we're sort of nearing towards, uh, uh, wrapping it up, but I wanted to ask just a few, few final questions. One is if you were back in, in that place of like, you know, just coming, just coming out of, for lack of a better term, the darkness and looking for that flashlight within yourself. What are two or three resources that you would recommend to people, whether they be books, courses, what have you, um, that that you feel like can really serve people in finding that light within? So I just came out of the darkest moment of my life five months ago mm. um, when I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, depression, and insomnia. Mm. And I used 
Well, first, I, I, I think it was my faith that got me out. So because I was suicidal. So like, had I not had some faith in a higher power, I may not have had any reason to want to keep going because that's how bad it was. So I would say that I say in my book, uh, in Super Attractor, that the first step to to feeling good is to decide to stop feeling bad. Yeah. And when you're having a biochemical issue and you're literally have lost lost all the serotonin in your brain, right? Um, you can't really. You think, oh well, how could I decide to stop feeling bad? Every prayer I said was a decision to stop feeling bad. Yeah. Every phone call that I where I asked for help was a decision to stop feeling bad. My willingness to hear my therapist intervene and say she needs to get on medication was a decision to stop feeling bad. So I think that I say that because anyone that's in that deep despair that's listening right now, or hopefully listening right now, I hope they're listening right now, yeah. or if their friend is in that deep despair, then tell your friend this, that the slightest willingness to heal is enough to get you out. Yeah. Okay. Because that slight willingness for me allowed me to hear my therapist and open up to calling a psychiatrist and get the guidance that I needed, right? So that slight willingness is hopefully allowing somebody to listen to this podcast right now to give them the direction and to release the shame so that they can go get further help, right? So that would probably be the biggest first step. But then, you know, this is not a plug for my book. It could be any spiritual book, but I returned to the practices of Super Attractor because I had to, strangely at that time, I was having to, even in the midst of that darkest moment, I had to work. Like I had a book coming out, right? Yeah, yeah totally. So it was, you know, in some ways it was a reprieve. And I had to, at that time, the biggest blessing was that the biggest responsibility I had from a career perspective was to edit the book, mm. was, to re to, was to review the edits and accept the edits. It was only me that could do that. I couldn't, you know, have a friend do that or have my husband do that or have my copy editor do that. I had to do that because it was my book. And so, and these are my words and I had to make sure that it was really getting edited properly. So I had to read the book again to really, you know, to, to accept the copy edits. But most importantly, what it did was it brought me out. Like it reminded me of my faith and that faith was stronger than my fear. Mm. So I would say the willingness to heal is what you need most mm. and then pay attention to the guidance you receive so that you can take in the, the messages, the guidance, the wisdom, the, the, the treatment, whatever it is, and then show up for that guidance. Mm. Practice it, follow it, show up for it. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a lot of times people have it. You know, we start, but the, the follow through, I think, is the challenge, which is, I think, where the, to bring it back a little bit to that fellowship piece, a lot of times that accountability is really helpful, right? Like, Big if, you time. Have, if you have that one person or that, whether it be online or, you know, what have you, depending on where you're at, of someone who's got your back, you know, I feel like is like of the big, biggest things that, that, that has served me at least uh, in terms of. You know who who really has your back, and that was actually also another uh, which I've not shared that aspect of like being in New York and realizing like I have lots of social friends, but God forbid, and I have a, a dear friend who's uh, actually going through cancer right now, um, and I was like, you know, who are the friends? Who are the people that would show up for you in in the hospital? God forbid you were there, or if you were in po postpartum, or what, when you have those sort of dark nights of the soul, who those people are? Because 
I feel like, you know, they, they, the research has even shown like the greatest correlation to our long-term health and happiness is the quality of our long-term relationships. That's so, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, that's, that's super, super beautiful. By the way, love this book. Um, it's, it's crushing it for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful to you, uh, Gabby, for, for the light that you are in the world and, and your commitment to, I think sharing vulnerably, which really resonated with me, like your own path in terms of, you know, your, your, your traumas from youth, you know, struggles with addiction. I think that realness makes it relatable, you know, and I, I'm so, yeah, I'm really grateful for, for the work that you're, that you're doing in the world and, and grateful for this book. Thank you. Thank you. Right back at you. Thank yeah. you for everything you do. Yeah. Where can people where can people find you? I mean, I think it's pretty self evident, but uh, Super Attractor, obviously, Amazon bookstores across the country. Where where can people find you online? Just go to gabbybernstein.com. G A B B Y Gabbybernstein.com. That's it. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. until next time, I'm very grateful for you, Gabby Bernstein. Thank you. I'm grateful too enjoyed this week's episode with the one and only Gabby Bernstein. I know I did. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us uh, move up the algorithm and to build this community. I greatly appreciate all of your feedback, all of your reviews. You can always reach me at Michael Trainer on Instagram or uh, any of the social channels. I always love having conversations with you. Uh, You can also sign up to our weekly newsletter on peakmind.org. I'm putting out uh, additional sort of exclusive content for the community there. And uh, it's my great pleasure to be of service to you, to share with you some of the great thought leaders of our time. And with that, please go out there and live your inspired life.